Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that knows that justice. <laughs> <laughs> we need to leave that in. Gender I, is so messy, we can't, we can't even say it's, it. It's a curse <laughs> word. <laughs> Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that knows that gender is messy as hell. (laughs) Today we have Laura, Zoe, Bianca, Julia, and Kellett. And today we're talking about being non-binary or just talking about non-binary-ness, um, what it all means. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> um, well, you know what? Guess what? It means a whole lot. So if you TLDR, you can just, you know, wait until next week for our next content. Just kidding. Um, but I think what we all want to articulate is, yes, it's really complicated and messy, but it's also in that same vein, real simple, you know, just like life. (laughs) Uh, But we're going to get into it now. And I know that first we're going to just be talking about like what the different terminology is to make sure that we're kind of all on the same page. So I know Julia did some incredible research about that. Yeah, so I just wanted to start out by defining some terms for anyone who may be less familiar with them. Also, just a good refresher, I think. So the term non-binary encompasses a lot of different identities. Most people probably know this, but you can be non-binary and be a man or woman, (laughs) shockingly. Um, Of course, many non-binary people also don't identify as either, such as me. Um, And while many non-binary people use they, them pronouns, hi, again, also me, um, you can be non-binary and not use they, them pronouns. Some people use multiple pronouns and some people don't use any. So always good to ask people how they like to be referred to. Um, Also, non-binary identity just encompasses a lot of different things. So I wanted to highlight some of the main sort of terms and categories that people use. Um, So one is gender fluid, which means that your gender or how you feel about your gender changes. Um, Also, there's bi-gender, which means that you identify as multiple genders at once. Um, Then I couldn't decide whether to include this term or not because I don't really hear people use it, but neutra is um, basically meaning that you feel one stable gender that doesn't change that's not male or female. Um, and that's kind of closest to how I've also I, never heard that. Yeah, I don't really hear people use it. Um, it's like closest to how I personally identify, but I don't really mm-hmm. use the term just because it's not like, I don't know, something that like, I think of as really being meaningful to other people as like a way to communicate my gender. But um, yeah, so a lot of people just use the term non binary as kind of a blanket term, one, because people know what it means. And two, because it encompasses a lot. And that's part of what's mm-hmm. great about it. Um, And also, I just wanted to say a lot of non-binary people feel some combination of these or that just defining their gender isn't super important to them. um, And I think that's also valid. Um, Then I also just wanted to mention that non-binary refers to your gender identity. So like, you know, most people know you can be a man, you can be a woman, you can also be another gender. Um, And then gender nonconforming is another term that people might hear, and that refers more to your gender presentation. So gender nonconforming can include people who don't identify as non-binary. It's often used more as an umbrella term for people who are just read as being outside the gender binary, regardless of how they identify. Um, So lots of other trans folks and some cis folks also might fit into that category. Um, And then one more thing I just wanted to talk about before we dive into our thoughts and feelings a little more um, is the question, are non-binary people trans? So Mm. unsurprisingly, some non-binary people are trans and some aren't. Um, I didn't identify as trans for a long time because as a non-binary person, I didn't really think that I was allowed to. Mm -hmm. And it was really through talking to other trans and non-binary people that I realized like, yeah, this term actually does describe how I feel. So now I do identify as trans. Um, And I think a lot of people, um, a lot of trans people, both binary and non-binary, face this problem of not feeling trans enough um, or even not feeling non-binary enough. 
So the overall point I just want to make is that like however you want to identify is okay and valid, and you also shouldn't assume how other people identify. Retweet. Extremely <laughs> well said. Oh, wow. Yeah. I already have so many feelings. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just like, oh my god, I have so many things, but I, I yeah. know we all do, so I'm gonna, of course, kick us kind of into into that part of it. Um, and I will say kind of before we get started, which will obviously illustrate in more detail that um, all of us are at different we either all are non-binary or like open to it or not sure how we're using the words for ourselves. So like all of us, I think all five of us on the call have like different experiences and understandings of it for ourselves. And just like Julia was saying, like all of that is extremely valid. And like I think part of the reason why we wanted to have this episode is because we get a lot of, I mean, like I don't want to speak for other people, but like I get a lot of questions of like I get a ton yes, of questions. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> it's just like it's just like, what do you mean when you say this? And I right. think part of why we want to do this is it's like, yeah, it can mean a million different things. And we're gonna show you maybe five different ways that it shows up. And then maybe you'll see some of the crossovers of how it's similar for us and how it's different for us. But I thought we could just talk at first about like what does being non-binary mean to you? How do you determine or and how did you determine if you did determine that you are non-binary? For me, I it's still such an ongoing thing. Like as you were saying, Laura, like my feelings about my gender identity change all the time. I think it's only been a couple months it started sometime during quarantine where I like fully became comfortable identifying as non-binary. Um, and that is still very much like this dynamic term for me where um, just the way I feel about myself and my gender, like from day to day, it changes a lot. And I think Julia might've mentioned this when we were just talking post recording last week, but I think that's also the beauty of being non-binary in that the way that we think about gender as a concept and how it applies to us can be, so dynamic and not stagnant um but for me the reasons why i feel non-binary and for me what it means is taking ownership of how i choose to understand myself instead of trying to conform to things that society believes to be true about me based on how i look or based on what is solely biologically true about me uh it means being empowered to reject things that are traditionally feminine that for a long time, I felt pressured into accepting by virtue of being born a cis woman. But in actuality, I felt very uncomfortable and alienated by those things. And when it comes to finding your personal identity, I just like, I just hate anything that's like overly prescriptive Mm -hmm. or like normative statements and rules. Like, because you identify as X, you should be like Y. Um, Like, I think it's just such a limiting structure and I think no one is in a position to tell another person how they should identify themselves. And so being non-binary for me means breaking free from those things. Yeah, definitely. Um, Personally, for me, I still like identifying as a woman while like pushing the boundaries of what that means. Like I kind of feel empowered by being like, yeah, I'm a woman, but also I don't have to ascribe to these, like, binary notions of, like, what that entails, Um, which, as Julia explained, obviously is not how everyone feels. There's, like, infinite ways that people can view and identify their own gender, but because the binary is, like, so ingrained in society, um, I feel like there's a lot of people that can maybe, if they can accept that there's, like, this third in quotes, pronoun or like way to identify, but still viewing that within the gender binary. So it's like being non-binary either means like that you are both genders or no genders. And that's kind of like what a common like understanding of that (laughs) is. Um, Which it's like, yeah, it is really complicated. That's why we're here to talk about it. Yeah, so when I was getting my first degree in gender studies, (laughs) brag, um, (laughs) my first of many useless degrees, um, one- Dr. Gender over here. (laughs) 
future, yes, a future doctor of gender. Currently, only a bachelor becoming a master. <laughs> but, a bachelor uh, X of gender. <laughs> I said, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a master of gender. And my friend was like, don't you mean a mistress? And I was like, I'm already a mistress. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so in one of my classes, it was like, you know, there's professors that will, like, always return to, like, the same question. And the, like, question of this class was, like, but what are women? Like, what does women mean? And at first you're, like, okay, that's, like, what are you asking? But then if you think about it, can you answer it? No, you can't. Mm-mm. I No, no one can. If you're listening at home and you think you can, you can't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, after a semester of that class, that's what I came to discover. Um, but, yeah, so... I guess point being just, like, it's really complicated. I can and will spend all day, every day, thinking about these things and still have really no answers about them. But, yeah, I think it's, like, hard, as I was kind of saying, like, to think about non-binariness and also break that away from what the gender binary is as we understand Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Definitely. It's so funny, like, how college is good for that. Like, I don't necessarily advocate for college because it's obviously, like, a monetary scam, but, like, (laughs) it's hard. It's hard because you learn a lot and... What I mean is like if you if you have great teachers and I I was an environmental student, so I can't brag on the gender thing, but you know, we had a class that literally the question the entire time is what is nature? And it's the same. Yes. It's a, it's the same thing in that like if you think about it for long enough, nature is everything because like humans are natural and like complicated blah blah blah. Anyway, just to say all of these things are very complicated and when we think about like wild spaces as nature like that is a very colonial mindset because uh, anyway i'm not gonna get into it we'll do (laughs) more environmental episodes another time um (laughs) but yeah you understand the the type of question yes (laughs) i understand when you're like learning a question and at first you're like oh i think i know what this is and then you're like wow what the fuck like everything's just made up (laughs) (laughs) um like all of gender a lot exactly exactly um yeah being non-binary means a lot of different things for me um i think for me, I'm I'm a bit in between what folks have said so far. I don't identify as a woman anymore. Again, this is a really recent thing. It's actually really interesting having a podcast because I feel like I've literally talked about being a cis person. I was on thinking this about that earlier, before. and like, so it's really complicated and messy, right? Like, I think I think I never allowed myself permission to be to to be that right like I didn't know I didn't know that I could um but I've never ever identified with the idea of like womanhood um other than again when we remember that it's all made up and like I'm like yeah I like being who I am so like I guess that's society has told me I'm a woman but I I don't feel that way um I think understanding my sexuality um, started to put some of the pieces together. And like, for me, it's really complicated to talk about gender without talking about sexuality, although I know that's not the case for everyone. So really, gender stuff has only become like clear recently. And I say clear in air quotes because there's literally nothing clear about my gender. Um <laughs> When I was a kid, I was always considered a tomboy. When I asked where a ba- bathroom was in a restaurant or park or something, people would always or often direct me to the men's room. And I never resented it either. I was just like, oh, okay, they were confused. <laughs> um, when I was in elementary school, I always placed t- touch football with the boys and generally always had boys as friend until later, like high school. And even then, most of my closest friends were still boys. I think when I came out as bi and then maybe I thought I was still a lesbian, still TBD, which I will get into. And it helped me clarify a lot of that stuff. However, I never identified with being butch, which was the category that people started putting me into when 
I came out sexuality wise. Um, And so this is, again, like a complicated thing because among the queer community of people who feel more like femmes or women or anything like other women, like women loving women or whatever. I, I hate all the terms. All what the terms sapphic? are bad. Do we feel good about sapphic? Sure. Sapphic is good. Being a sapphic person. Thank you. <laughs> Even in there, there's another binary, right? Of butch or femme. And that's also really, to me, frustrating because I have short hair. And so people <laughs> literally take that and they're like, okay, you're a butch person. And it's like, yes, yeah. I can do things like change a car tire and build fire out of literally sticks. But that's because I had a parent who taught me how to change a tire and because my degree was environmental shit. <laughs> and that's the stupid thing about any of these th- these things, right? They can box us in. I have found freedom in using some terms as a form of like, feeling in ho- at home in myself and feeling like I have a community. But when I started to realize I, so for myself, I currently, and again, everything is always evolving, I identify as a non-binary femme, which I guess for me means that I don't identify as a woman, but she pronouns are fine because I'm like, whatever. And I just like, especially for the people who know me well, I don't really care. But again, I think similarly to what folks will say as we continue, I think if people only use she, I notice. But I like they, them, (laughs) or she, her. I guess what I'm saying is when I came into my own gender, everything started to click. Um, It helped me understand that I still, unfortunately, have an attraction to men, which is extremely rare, but does exist. And I really, really feel powerfully that there's not a straight bone in my body. And being non-binary makes me feel better in my sexuality because it makes me feel like I'm gay no matter what because I'm not I'm not playing the gender game. Even like in musicals in high school, I ended up always playing roles that were made for boys because I have a deep voice and I can quote unquote look like a boy on stage. Again, this is a privilege that we will get into more as we go on. Like, I have somewhat androgynous features, and so people often, like, put me in masculine roles. There is no way a boy or girl should look like, obviously, but for me, I was often characterized as masculine. And I guess, like, the main thing that I will say uh, to wrap up this little section is (sighs) the thing that's challenging for me specifically is... My mom has come to terms with my sexuality, but I have dated non-binary people in the past and I've tried to explain it to my mom and it was like a true brick wall. So for me, I have very conservative parents and I don't think that I could ever come out to them as non-binary. Like I feel like they just couldn't handle it. So that's hard for me when it comes to all these things like... I feel like I want people to see me for who I am. I just think for my parents and how they were raised, like, it's just not a concept that is really understandable. Yeah, that's totally understandable. And I also definitely have family that I have not come out to yet because I just don't think that they'll react great. So there you go. Um, but I also really relate to the feeling you were talking about that I'm just very deeply not straight and that being a really (laughs) big part of how I came to my gender realization. Um, I guess I just wanted to talk a little bit about like my journey of gender discovery. Um, a lot of it for me was tied to feeling like there were bigger injustices around gendered expectations that everyone is put into in different ways. Um, My immediate family is pretty progressive. Like when I was growing up, both of my parents worked and they both did things like cooking and cleaning like household tasks. So I always sort of knew that there were like different options for how you could act based on what gender you are. Um, But then my mom's family is a little more conservative when it comes to gender. Um, I definitely grew up being expected to be really good at taking care of babies and like cooking and cleaning and kind of being assigned those tasks because I was assumed to be a woman. Um, 
And like a lot of trans and non-binary folks, I definitely experienced some like shaming for how I didn't conform to those expectations. Um, it's literally a family joke how bad I am at taking care of babies. Um, which, <laughs> you know, right, when I was younger, it made me feel really bad. But I think, you know, I guess I just wanted to say that while obviously there are a lot of women who aren't good at those things and being not good at them doesn't make you not a woman, for me personally, those were moments where I wasn't just feeling like I don't fit into this gendered expectation. I was also realizing that I didn't want to fit into womanhood, um, even a, a broader definition of it, um, you know, whether it had to do with like these ideas around domesticity or not. Um, but that said, for me, being non-binary does also mean being opposed to any oppressive notions of gender whether it's, you know, the systems that force us into a gender binary or just transphobia and sexism more broadly. Um, another thing for me being non-binary definitely means, I think like Bianca talked about, being able to define my gender the way that feels right to me. Um, pronouns were a really big part of my journey. I used to use she pronouns. Then it felt like a really huge but manageable step to start saying, I want people to use she or they. Then it was easier to put they first and say, like, they or she and kind of assert a little more that I preferred they. And then finally to just go to they, them and be like, that's actually just what I like using. Um, so realizing I was non-binary for me kind of went hand in hand with feeling comfortable claiming that space and asking to be identified and seen that way. Um, and also, I just wanted to say that talking with other trans and non-binary friends about our gender feelings was a really important way that I was able to figure out what felt right to me, because like we're talking about, all of this is so complicated, and there's so many ways that we feel like we're not trans enough or not non-binary enough, and like, are we allowed to identify this way? And I think just talking to other people who have some of these same experiences really made me realize, like, yes, these terms in this space is for me. Um... I also wanted to say that lots of non-binary people and trans people generally didn't know from childhood that they were non-binary. Um, I think that's a myth that a lot of trans and gender non-conforming people have to play into in order to be believed or just like accepted that it's real and they are their actual yes. gender. Um, so I just want to say that that's like trash and not a thing. <laughs> just like sexuality. Like, <laughs> we didn't know we were gay. Right, we didn't exactly. Know. And so much of it is because we're not presented that that's like an option. Yeah, at all. Exactly. Like, it's we not even. The tools. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, so I, I definitely wanted to say that. And just that, like, it's just personally for me that I feel like being non binary is something that has always kind of been there and been part of how I think about my gender, but I just didn't really know what it meant or that I could do anything about it because, like, we're talking about that's really not given as an option. Um, so I, w I just wanted to tell a couple of stories about how my gender feelings have evolved over time and maybe hopefully this is helpful to someone. Um, one thing is definitely around, like, bathrooms and other hyper-gendered spaces I always felt like it was so weird that bathrooms were divided by gender. Like, I don't know, that just never made sense to me. But when I was growing up, it was always, like, really sad for me that I couldn't, like, pee with my male friends, but Aww. I could with my female friends. Like, mm -hmm. it was just weird. Like, Or I was like, I don't know, like, I guess in college was the first time I really had, like, a gender-neutral bathroom, and I was finally able to share a bathroom with one of my friends who actually, she's trans, and at the time, like... I thought she was a boy and she thought I was a girl, but this was like the first time that we could share a bathroom together and like brush our teeth together before going to bed for the night. And just like those little rituals that can be really important with people you care about that I was never able to share with someone who was at the time presenting as male. Like I had never gotten to experience that. Um, and it was really validating. And I think now something that I experience a lot is like, people being confused about which bathroom I should use, like you talked about when you were growing up, Laura. Um, mm -hmm. And it's weird because I definitely think that can be really harmful, but also I think a lot of cis people just don't even know that being non-binary is a thing, and the only way that they know how to react right. to someone who's non-binary is, like, confusion or, like, I get misgendered a lot as, like, both a boy and a girl in the same sentence yeah. by the same person, and it's, like, there is something about it that's weirdly validating just in the sense that it's like, I do that they're confused. like confusing people. Yeah. Like, ah. I like yes. fucking with people's idea of gender. And I think like, even though that can be very painful at times, it can also be sort of 
affirming in a weird way for me at times. Um, Mm -hmm. Another big thing that used to, like, really bother me when I was younger, before I was out, was, like, how people always offer seats to women on the bus. Obviously, this Uh, is, like, a weird thing in general that I just don't really think needs to be a thing. Um, But I had this experience more recently before pandemic times where I was on the train and this older woman, like, assumed that I was a boy and asked me to give up my seat. I think she was like, hey, son, can you get up? I've had a long day at work. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this person thinks that I'm a boy. And it was kind of like, again, like, weirdly affirming because Mm -hmm, I have mm -hmm. had so many experiences of someone assuming I was a woman and therefore offering me a seat. And so... (laughs) Even though I was still being misgendered, it was, like, just a different misgendering experience (laughs) than what I'm used to having, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah, definitely. And I think just generally, like, having more people read me as not one of the two genders they know of has sort of been an important part for me of, like, coming into my non-binary identity. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that so much. Oh, my gosh. It's always, like, the strangers misgendering you in the gender that you are not typically misgendered as. That's, like, weirdly... Like, I was, before pandemic times, like, I was at a courthouse because I, like, was a paralegal and I was, like, getting some documents. And in any courthouse, you have to, like, go through security. And I guess maybe it was the way I was dressed. I don't know. I had, like like, a long trench coat on. But the security guard was like, sir. And I was like, who? And I was the only one there. And I was like, oh, me. Oh. And I was like, wait a second. But it felt, it didn't feel bad. I was like, holy shit. Like, if they thought I was a boy, like, cool. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, I also so- feel like those are sometimes moments where it's like, people have been like, sir, ma'am, sir. And I'm like, doesn't this just show how weird <laughs> this is that we have to address people by a gender? In yeah. The oh, my God. Yeah. But yeah, as you were saying, Julia, like, I am not somebody who knew from the very beginning of my life that I was non-binary. Like, as I was saying before, it's only been in the last, like, couple of months that I have, like, fully come to terms with it and also identified a strong preference for they, them pronouns over she, her pronouns and kind of, like, started telling people that. Um, But, like... How I got to that point was just realizing that there were moments in my life growing up and all throughout my life where, like, at the time I didn't register the feelings that I was having as gender-questioning feelings until much later. And then, like, by that point I had had the language and the knowledge to actually pinpoint what it was I was feeling. Um, So, yeah, it's, like, very much what people were talking about earlier with, like, not being given the option to identify as non-binary. But then once you have that knowledge, you're like, oh, like, I am. Um, I feel like that kind of sounds like, like, confirmation bias. Like, me, like, sifting through my own memories of my life and trying to, like, look for things that I identified as gender-questioning feelings to bolster the fact that I am non-binary. Um... But, like, I also think that for me, like, right now, it's, like, I am not on this quest to get to the bottom of being non-binary <laughs> and to understand every single non-binary thing about me and everybody else. Um, like, I'm still figuring a lot of shit out, including... Of course. Yeah. And, like, if, like, where and when in my childhood my own non-binariness arose. Um, so, like, just some things, like, stories, memories that were kind of, like, illuminating to me or hindering in terms of my gender uh, journey, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first time that I ever learned about gender as a performance, as this construct, is this class that I took when I was this young, naive freshman. At the time, I still thought I was going to be a biology major. And I (laughs) truly dropped that after a year... Um, (laughs) and but i for a distributional requirement i took this class called religion and sexuality which was i think it was like i was like way in over my head at the time like i learned a lot of stuff but i feel like if i took it now i would like truly be in love with the course and so it's one of those things where like i wish i could retake it like as somebody like from the start with the knowledge i have now but in that class we read sections from judith butler's gender trouble um, LOL. <laughs> and, <laughs> but 
I feel like it's just like a canonical book about gender. Mm-hmm. I had a um, professor who referred to her as Judy B all the time. And one, it made me think of Judy B. Jones. And two, I just resented so much and I needed to share. Yeah. Oh my it, God. Like, it was one of those things like nails on a chalkboard that every time he was like, so Judy B, I just like had to like groan oh audibly God. in class. Why? Why? Would, it's not even that long of a name. Whatever. Um, no, uh, for no apparent reason. Yeah. Um, and I know we were talking about earlier how, like, academic settings are limiting in a lot of ways. Like, not everybody can have mm-hmm. access to them, and not everybody can have, like, the, has, like, the tools to be fully prepared for a class if they didn't have, like, prior knowledge. Like me, when I took this class. Um, but the class was valuable to me because, as I was saying, it gave me just, like, the first tools I had to understand this concept of gender and the ways that it applied to me. Um, but it wasn't something like I, I think in college, I just never really had the time or like, I never had the mental, I don't know, space, energy to like really, really reflect on my own gender identity. Um, until it was like, I think I really only started to think about it in like detail, like in depth, like after I graduated. And a lot of that was because like the main extracurricular activity I did when I was in college was mock trial. And like, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the activity, but like for people who aren't, it's just like you, it's a competitive team-based activity. You compete against other college teams and you simulate a, uh, a trial either for a civil or criminal case. And like, you actually go to competitions and you're given this case that's like written for you and you have to be either an attorney or a witness and you just like act out these roles and you have to like uh, prepare both like the prosecution or plaintiff and the defense sides. So like I was always an attorney because like for witnesses, you have to be good at acting. And I was like, not good at, <laughs> acting, like, at all. So they were like, you're an attorney. And I was like, fine. Um, but as an attorney and like because of the nature of the competition they tried to like mimic a real courtroom setting as much as possible so we had to wear uh like certain things and like it was never a thing that was on my like different teams had different ways to deal with this but it was never a thing on my team where they were like you have to wear this you have to wear that there were other teams that i had heard of where it was like all the women had to wear a pencil skirt suit oh god not wear pants for whatever my literal nightmare reason yeah like for whatever reason um but like we were never like that strict and so like when i uh was like i was like okay like i have a pantsuit my one suit is a pantsuit because i prefer pants and i really don't want to wear a pencil skirt like it makes me feel like really shitty and i just don't want to wear it so i was like i'm gonna wear this pantsuit and then the we went to a competition and i was wearing it and there was a judge who was judging our competition and she like had written in my section on her notes sheet when she was judging me like it was quote like i don't like that your pants are cropped and like like we get the comments after the competition's over and so i like saw that and like the judge basically determines who wins the round so i was like did she really like like, she really might have marked me down for having worn pants. And so I was just, like, scared. And so I, like, brought it up to other people on my team. And I was like, what is this? And they were like, I, you should probably, like, if you don't, if you feel like your score is being affected by wearing pants, maybe you should wear a skirt. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> I guess. I mean, I don't really know. Like, I, I think I was just, like, nervous. And, of course, I didn't want to be the reason that my team didn't do well for whatever reason, whether that reason was justified or not, because the judges have their own biases and sometimes they're like older and have like old people's opinions. And so like, I was like, okay, fine. So um, it was like a combination of like being so alienated by this sartorial decision that I had to make. And also like, because the judges that often judge their competitions were like, older attorneys um just like very i guess like socially conservative people i was scared to make any radical any like big change in my appearance like at all for all four years of college like because of mock trial like when i got my nose piercing i was scared of that that it would affect how i was perceived 
And like, it was just like, like, because of that, I think in college, like I never really, like there were a lot of things that I wanted to do, but I like, because actually of that activity, I just like feel like I couldn't, I was like scared to do it um, in terms of like changing my appearance. And so, yeah, like, I think folks are going to talk about this later on, but a lot of um, my feelings about being non-binary are tied to my feelings about getting dressed. Like, as somebody who, like, takes a lot of joy in choosing what to wear and getting dressed, um, like, because I'm so sensitive to the way certain pieces of clothing items make me feel, like, that mock trial experience was, like, one of those moments where I was like, okay, like, this is more than just, like, not wanting to wear a skirt. It's really not just at the surface level there. It's, like, I'm having serious questions about where I uh, sit with my gender because a skirt is this, like, piece of clothing that in our culture now is more commonly ascribed to women. Um, So, yeah. So then, like, after that happened, I mean, after I graduated and stuff, I, like, moved to New York and, like, my job at the time, like, didn't really care about, like, what I wore, you know, so long as I, like, I don't know, like, they just didn't care as much at all. Um, so I was like, all right, like, things I've wanted to do. I wanted to cut my hair. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, for a long time, like, I wanted, I used to have, like, shoulder length hair. Um, all through college I did. And sometime like in the first fall I spent in New York City after moving here after graduation I was like okay I'm gonna book this haircut appointment (laughs) and I did and I like truly like I was like so scared because I was like getting so much haircut off of that but like um it was like this moment for me where after I got it like so much else about my gender identity fell into place after that and I like for a lot of people, for a lot of non-binary people, I think there are things that, like, they feel that aren't explicitly tied to physical appearance. But for me, those are two, like, those are things that, like, I I was able to connect my inner feelings with how I outwardly presented. And forming that connection was a super affirming experience for me. So, uh, yeah, I think those are just, like, two th- or maybe three things that just, like, were, like, I, I feel, like, really, um, like, powerful points in this journey that I'm on. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for, like, sharing that with all of us. Um, yeah. It's been really awesome to, like, listen to everyone sharing their stuff, especially because I consider myself a woman, and I guess I am, like, the token cis person on this episode. <laughs> um, we need one! <laughs> I mean, also, you might not be cis. Who cares? Like, Yes and no, right? Um, I wasn't even actually sure that I should be on the episode, but um, Zoe encouraged me. So love you, Zoe. Love um, you. I'm so glad you're here. So I I just, <laughs> you know, I guess as like a different perspective or whatever was these are these are my feelings on gender. Um, I think the reason that I think of myself as a woman is basically because that's how society views me. Um, I don't have like a lot of inherent identification with that role, especially like because like as Bianca was saying, I really reject actually i guess everybody's been saying this julie you said this too like i reject a lot of the things that women are expected to do and be traditionally like i don't want to give birth for example that feels like a big one um i really like certain trappings of masculine language that that feels like it fits me better um not to be extremely online about it but my twitter bio refers to me as a gentleman and a scholar and like which you are <sighs> thank you so much <laughs> i really like identify with that um when i was younger and to some extent now i felt very strongly that like i wanted to be an old man when i was like elderly um like i want to like sit on my porch in a bow tie and like giant glasses and like yell at kids to get off my lawn <laughs> um and i just like there's something about being an elderly woman that i'm just like i don't know about that I'm not sure that that's what i want to do um <laughs> and i think that 
part of this is because of like a default assumption, which I think is like actually in a lot of ways a trauma response that like men are particularly mm-hmm. potentially dangerous and like I don't feel like I'm dangerous, yes. although that's a whole other thing. Um, but like octogenarians <laughs> don't seem dangerous, so like maybe it's fine to be like an elderly man. I don't know. I'm going off on a real tangent here. Um, <laughs> But, like, the bigger thing for me, I think, is that I'm torn in, like, two ways. Um, One is that I recognize, since I'm pretty, like, feminine presenting, I have long hair, I wear makeup, those kinds of things, that, like, even when I'm in what I call, like, vacation dad mode, um, where I dress, like, pretty masculine, like, very bright colors and, like, button-down shirts and stuff, um, that are frequently men's shirts. Uh, Even when I'm dressing in what are quote unquote men's clothing, like society is going to see me and treat me like a woman and categories are societally constituted and therefore I am a woman. Um, The other thing though, obviously like the other side of things is that gender is totally made up. Um, And I really, really liked Julia, what you said about being non-binary being, you know, partly about opposition to structures of patriarchy and homophobia because like it really transness in general like really fucks those things up and I love that Mm -hmm. um and so on that side of things I'm kind of like well why should I be a woman the whole system is corrupt you know like Mm -hmm. but because I'm not inherently uncomfortable with being called a woman or she her pronouns I don't consider myself non-binary I'm fine with they pronouns just like I'm fine with she pronouns I don't feel like an affinity to one or the other. Um, And I actually think in some ways they pronouns are preferable because they actively break down the expectation of a gender binary. And I really like that. Um, But I, I kind of feel like a fraud saying that I use she, they pronouns, because again, I don't like feel strongly that I'm non-binary outside, I guess, holding this idea that all humans are non-binary and that gender is kind of forced on us. Um, But like, seeing what you all have to say has me thinking that like maybe I could use she they pronouns and like it wouldn't be a big deal so I don't know I don't know anything I'm just loving listening to you guys and that's where <laughs> Oomst Among Us knows Aww. a thing exactly <laughs> well I'm glad that you're here Kellen as a future master of gender studies Hello. um if you're making a season of the bitch bingo card just put on the amount of times Zoe references her degrees in gender studies um <laughs> And you will win every time. Um, but yeah, I, but I think it's important, right, for like, because we're trying to, this is to talk about our feelings and experiences. And like, if you had been like, well, I just never thought about it, I'd be like, maybe don't come on. But you were like, <laughs> I have thought about it. And this is what I've thought about. So like, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that people listening right now have also had the same thoughts or similar thoughts, because it is really complicated. So yeah. yeah. And yeah, this is why I'm getting my master's in social work and gender studies, because I just love hearing people talk about their thoughts and feelings about their gender. So I could do this all day. And in the future, I will be. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so for me, like, not that I like knew I was non-binary or anything like that, but I definitely grew up with a lot of questions about gender, which I suppose is how as an adult, I became someone who dedicates my life to just studying that and being like, what the fuck does any of this mean? (laughs) But the first like thing instance that I like really remember is when I was maybe like five ish and I learned about dinosaurs in school and I thought dinosaurs were really cool and I wanted a dinosaur t-shirt and my grandmother like took me shopping and there's this dinosaur t-shirt and I was like, I want that. And my grandma was like, no, that's a boy's t-shirt. Like you can't get that. And I was like, that makes no sense. (laughs) And I like went home to my mom and I was like, why couldn't I get the dinosaur t-shirt just because it was made for boys? It doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. I don't like it. It's not right. And my mom was like, you know, you're right. Like you can wear whatever you want. Like you can wear like boys clothes. Like it's fine. Bless my mom. I know a lot of parents would not be that way. (laughs) Um, We stan. But yeah, um... So that was the first thing that I remember where I was like, I just kind of don't think that this gender thing like makes sense. Like I'm not buying this. I don't know why I can't wear a dinosaur t-shirt. Um, but then, yeah, my thoughts and feelings as we're calling this up on my own gender identity have definitely been kind of all over the place. Similar to what Laura was saying, I was a tomboy kind of growing up for a long time and definitely had thoughts of being like, maybe I'm not a girl. I'm not really sure. But also, like, not really having language for knowing what 
that non-binaryness was like an option and just being like, well, I'm not a boy, ew. <laughs> um, yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that, obviously. Just like for me, I was like, well, I know I'm not a boy and I yeah. am not really sure if I'm a girl. So I don't know. Um, Big mood. <laughs> but yeah, then I also had like periods of wanting to like be and dress more like feminine, quote unquote, everything in quotes here, because as we've well established, it's not real. Um, but especially after I had an experience in middle school where someone stopped me in the hallway and did the whole like, are you a boy or a girl thing, which now would not bother me, although now I also don't really get that. Um, but as a 13 year old, that like mortified me. And I was like, oh, no, like, I don't want that. I don't know what just happened. Um, so then I, I think I sort of just went back to being like, okay, I'm just gonna like try to be more feminine and like fit in in this way because it's like, I don't know what just happened. I don't want to deal with it. Um, yeah. Also, for my in my synagogue, they would put up like for your like bar or bat mitzvah, and for mine, I think it was completely a mistake, but they put up bar mitzvah, which is like the boy <laughs> one, and people made fun of me so much. Sorry that I and laughed. No, I mean, it is now funny, but at the time people were like, oh, Zoe's bar mitzvah. And that was another just like mortifying experience for me. Um, but now I'm like, that's, yeah, I, thank you. I love that for me. <laughs> I, had, I had a bar mitzvah. Um, but yeah, then through high school is when I started to realize that I'm goth, which was very liberating for me and is now pretty much how I identify my gender as people who know me know. Um, but my goth journey, which could be a whole other hour of me talking and has been, um, (laughs) has also been a lengthy one that like weaves into gender in a lot of ways. Um, it's become more and more clear to me that like, I feel most affirmed when I just like look super goth and am recognized in that way, regardless of whether it's like feminine clothing that's goth or like masculine clothing that's goth or whatever. Which at this point, I usually list my pronouns as she slash they slash goth because um, similar to what Kellen said, I kind of really don't care what pronouns people use. I do notice when people only use she after like knowing that. Um, And like, I like, I like when people switch it up. I like hearing like both. Um, But at first when I added goth, I thought that people would think I was like making light of pronouns, but it's really not. It's really just like how I feel about my like presentation as a person um and like my body euphoria happens the most when i'm just like yeah i look goth as hell <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and and the world knows um which sort of brings me back to what i was saying before about still liking to um identify as a woman because like i used to think that since i was comfortable being considered a woman which a lot of non-binary people aren't but also a lot are <laughs> choose your own adventure gender style um but i thought that meant that like you can't also be non-binary if you're not like deterred from identifying as a woman or something like that um but yeah as as we've established that's not really true so um yeah i mean it's just things i've been thinking about for years and like i still don't really have an answer about it's more just like all of these things are true about me and like so question mark question mark question mark (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah also since we're talking a lot about gender and how like clothes and haircuts fit into that i feel like i just wanted to say like i think that there can be this struggle where like people who are non-binary or just don't fit into the gender binary in some way feel uncomfortable saying like oh like I don't know like I'm a trans girl so I want to wear nail polish or like I'm a trans boy so I want to wear pants because like gender isn't just about the ways the things that you wear but also like we've all been talking about like clothing and haircuts and stuff are a really big way that gender is like enforced on us in ways Mm -hmm. that can feel shitty and so like I do think it's really important that these can also be ways that we can claim our gender and the gender expression that we want. And like, that doesn't have to be in conflict with the idea that like, also anyone of any gender can look however they want and wear whatever they want. Um, And I guess I was going to talk about this later, but I don't think we're going to have time to get to this. So I just wanted to quickly say that I think for a lot of non-binary people, there's this struggle of like, 
wanting to be free from the gender binary and not wanting to be easily like categorizable into one gender or the other um and like obviously not all non-binary people have to look a specific way and so on the one hand it's like you don't want to perpetuate this idea that like all non-binary people are like white skinny androgynous femme looking people but on the other hand like when I do present more towards that, I get read as non-binary more. And I think just, like, binary trans people who often have to, like, put on a dress or, like, wear the specific thing to be read as the gender they are, Mm -hmm. that that's a part of being non-binary, too. And, like, sometimes Mm -hmm. having a short haircut or, like, wearing something more androgynous can be super affirming because it just, like, gets people to read you as the gender you are or just be confused about what gender you are, which, like we talked about, can also be validating. So I just think, like, that can be a tough balance, but it's definitely something we all have to navigate. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) When Bianca was talking about their experience with, like, the cropped pants situation... (laughs) ridiculous it it made me it made me think about so when i was in uh so i i've always played music uh still do when i i've played a bunch of different instruments since i was like four years old but when i was in like fourth to sixth grade i played clarinet and then in seventh grade i was i started playing clarinet and the band instructor was like we need boys to play tuba and i was like i'll fucking play tuba you gonna say like (laughs) I can't play tuba. But the best part for me at the time about it was, A, I just wanted to learn every instrument. But B, I got to wear pants at the band concerts and literally no other person that was assigned female at birth was allowed to. Nice. So like for their grade. So I was pumped about that. (laughs) Anyway, um. Yeah, like we've all been saying, I will say that recently, like within the last few few years, the way that I express my gender is deeply through fashion. Um, fashion has always been how I express myself, but I don't, I didn't really think about it as fashion until I allowed myself permission. I always joke with my friends that like literally all we're doing is asking people to affirm us so that we can feel like we have permission to be exactly who right. we are. <laughs> um, but like, I think part of it is my older sister is a, like literally a fashion designer. So it's one of those things that for me, I saw her doing that. And like, I didn't know that I could also be interested in that, like separately and, and in a different way. But I love having really colorful clothing as well as I love wearing all black too. Uh, but I don't feel like dysmorphic when I wear a lot of bright colors, which I do all the time as as we all know. Um, but, you know, I think for me, part of it is truly that I want to feel like I like how I look. Um, I spent a lot of my life being called ugly by other people, which I know is like what the fuck? I will fight Ew. these people. False. I will find them okay. and we will what? fight. When I read this in the doc as your Sagittarius protector, I was like, I'm going on a rampage after this episode. I it's it's like weird to talk about because I don't feel that way now, but like I was called ugly all of the time. I was like the ugly person in my friend group and stuff like that and like stuff like that just like sticks with you right I used ugly person in my friend group in air quotes obviously y'all who are listening can't see that um absurd (sighs) I just think for me it's really uh, like it's important to wear unique prints stuff that makes me feel like I'm pushing the boundaries of fashion, which for me also pushes the the boundaries of gender. Um, I really love wearing all funky clothing, vintage clothing. Uh, my roommate makes fun of me even during quarantine for like still wearing all the fashion that I would normally wear, even just like being in the house. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because for me, it's so closely tied to my gender expression um, I feel really depressed when I'm not able to wear what feels good. Yeah, me too. I mean, like, it feels kind of weird to say it because, like, I 
feel like a lot of folks think that like fashion is this frivolous materialistic mm-hmm. thing um which like of course it is to some extent it's like we have, of course have luxury and being able to like decide which clothes make us feel best and have all these arrays of options available but like i don't know like i think it's also a thing that is like trivialized because it's not a thing that cishet men like or if they like it they mm-hmm. make it seem very broy. Mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah um it's 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 hard but it, it really is the way that for me like I think all of us are creative people in our own ways and like sometimes people use creativity through fashion mm-hmm. obviously fashion is important to me also important to some other folks and I know Zoe started talking about this but I know they wanted to talk a bit more about like what goth as fashion means for them yeah so I was gonna talk about this more but we're out of time so I'm gonna gonna shorten it right up but like goth culture has always been super intertwined with like androgyny and and like alternative like gender and sexuality identities and like kind of pushing against cultural norms which i think is really important um also i learned through the season of the bitch discord plug season of the bitch.com no patreon.com slash season of the bitch <laughs> go to the discord but through our i posted <laughs> my favorite meme which is like a young child asking a skeleton are you a boy or a girl and the skeleton's like i'm dead and i <laughs> yes, identify with that, that meme so strongly and found mm-hmm. out that other people in our discord do too which honestly was really affirming to me because i was like oh there's others of me out there and i love that so if you also are like wow goth is my gender dm me this is your one opportunity that i'm opening my dm for the people um (laughs) since i don't have time to go into it more let's talk about it (laughs) i do think one interesting thing about that meme to you know just like put a bow on this episode is that (laughs) skeleton part of the reason that maybe you can't tell what gender a skeleton is is that a skeleton doesn't have a body i mean you can't tell what gender anybody is but like why the child can't make an assumption is that the the skeleton doesn't have a body and i think that one thing that we haven't talked about so much is like um bodies in in like the way that people can work through their sexuality i mean it can work through their gender and like I wish we had more time because I would be interested to hear, you know, how y'all work through this. But I know for me, like, another reason that it feels to me like I can't possibly be non-binary is I have a really feminine body. Like, I have boobs. I have hips. I see Bianca on Zoom shaking their head. Um, But, like, you can't, like, I look at my hips and I'm like, "Ah, that's, that's a woman's body. And, like, there's so much programming that goes into that, like that's that is such a I like I hate that and I hate that like some of what I feel most comfortable in which is my vacation dad where I feel like looks weird on me in some ways because it's so much of it is not made for people whose bodies look like mine and there's Mm -hmm. like an inaccessibility that Julia you hinted at um to this sort of standard androgynous look because it is raced it is like thin um it's white and uh it is sort of feminine but not too feminine is like the standard androgynous look and that is obviously not acceptable or accessible rather for so many different people and so um i wish we had more time to talk about like yeah, i have so many thoughts about this but yeah yeah how bodies we'll end up doing this. more apps about yeah, it of course do like, but yes. like, like <laughs> 1000 yeah. episodes on gender about gender <laughs> we yes. honestly let's do it can someone out there make a bingo card because i really just want to swear <laughs> to say zoe said i have a degree in this <laughs> yes make a season of the bitch bingo card yes. <laughs> someone yes. do it yeah. we should do a whole episode called flesh prisons oh i love that. yes, yes. <laughs> flesh prisons. perfect i just snapped like i was at a spoken word show <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Um, well, as you know, we have obviously a lot more to say on this, and so you'll probably hear it at some point. (laughs) 
Um, you will definitely I'll, hear it at some point. You will definitely yeah. hear it at some Force point. Force it down your ear holes. <laughs> exactly. Um, as always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Season of the Bee. Uh, you can give us your money on Patreon as well as join our Discord community that Zoe and Callum were just talking about. As well as join our abolitionist reading group because guess what? Not only are we abolishing prisons, but we're abolishing any ideas. Gender norms, dead. Anything else, dead. We're abolishing it all and join our abolitionist we're reading group. We're all genderless skeletons now. Exactly. My meme is... <laughs> It says, are you a boy or, or a girl? And it says, I'm an experience and it's a person flipping their hair. And that's the one I identify with. I feel like I'm an experience. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm a dead skeleton and I'm happy with that for me. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also dead. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for Can't us. believe we're a podcast of dead hosts. <laughs> Exactly. Um, you can email us at seasonofthebee at gml.com as well as go to our website at seasonofthebee.com and rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Yay. I love you all so much. Love you. Love you. Bye. 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 Bye.